0: Hey, welcome to Socialism for All. This file is being uploaded December 29, 2020, and this is an audiobook of The New Life in Russia by Angelica Balabanov. Angelica Balabanov lived from 1878 to 1965. She was born in the Ukraine and exposed to radical ideas while a university student in Brussels. She settled in Rome and began organizing immigrant laborers in the textile industry and later became a leader of the Italian Socialist Party, then the Italian Social Democrats, which at that time was the name for what we would know today as communists. Balabanov continued to stay closely in touch with the Russian revolutionary movement and served on the executive committee of the Union of Women Socialists and worked with Clara Zetkin on women's congresses. Soon after the Bolshevik triumph, Balabanov returned to Russia, where she served as secretary to the International in 1919. She later became a critic of Bolshevism and returned to Italy, but the rise of fascism led to her exile in Switzerland. Where she edited the Paris Avanti in 1928. She continued to be involved in socialist activities internationally until her health began to fail in 1964. So this work, again titled The New Life in Russia, is from November 8, 1919, published in Lavanti, transcribed from Marxists.org, the Marxists' internet archive, in August 2002, Thanks, as usual, to the Marxist Internet Archive for making thousands of Marxist texts free and readily available to anyone with an internet connection. So, starting the audiobook. You cannot form any idea of what is taking place here. One witnesses daily the miracle of reorganization of an old, decrepit, and rotten system which only the new regenerative forces can put life into. One looks on at this work of constant renewal going on amidst attempts to boycott it, to sabotage and blockade it in all directions. The spectacle is infinitely inspiring. It fills you with pride. It revivifies your faith in human power and in the divine potency of the ideal with all kinds of material deficiencies, and with a continuous struggle going on against the enemy without, a great creative work is nevertheless being undertaken in the domains of science, art, and the education of the masses and the new generations. When the history of the times comes to be written, people will marvel how with such small numerical strength we were able to resist, to rule, and to regenerate an organism so vast, complex, undermined, and threatened with utter ruin. As regards the mere negative sides of the question which are being described to you, with such abundance of lying and invented particulars, believe about a thousandth of what you hear, then compare it with what is happening in the other countries, and you will see that the consequences of the war are felt much less here than elsewhere, that, Whilst under any other regime they would soon have led to the complete decimation of those classes least capable of resistance to them, they are here supported and shared justly all around. Therefore, when they tell you that we are living in the midst of terror and assassinations, keep ever present before your minds the fact that never before have there been so few of the latter as at present. As to the terror, it suffices to compare it with the few days of struggle in Germany and elsewhere to understand that here it has been a question of a very mild sort of struggle, indeed, and of methods of work which are truly patriarchal. And knowing as you do how much my temperament rebels against violence, you may believe me when I tell you that the white terror is a thousand times more cruel, deliberate, and treacherous, and that all the tales that you have heard about the Red Terror are just so many inventions. They have had the effrontery, intentional of course, to pass off as terrorism what was merely legitimate self-defense. The Lockhart trial suffices to show up the attempts that were made to damage not only us, but whole populations. I acted as translator in this trial, so I know what I'm talking about. The devilish plans to blow up bridges, to reduce tens of thousands of people to hunger. It was not only a question of mere political sabotage but also of attempts on the lives of people, as witness, for example, the plot hatched against the people's commissaries. In the light of these facts, look at the mildness of the sentence passed. Those most directly concerned in the plot and the foreigner who had been proved guilty of espionage was allowed to remain here. The carrying out of the sentence was put off, with a view to an eventual exchange of prisoners. And this is the, quote, Red Terror. With regard to the defects in the state machinery due to the lack of capable and conscientious co-workers, a severe and remorseless criticism is kept up in the party's newspapers, constituting an aspiration towards self-betterment only possible to a revolutionary government. The crux of the whole matter, insofar as internal politics are concerned, is that the government and the communists in general have to suffer the consequences and take the responsibility for the acts of enemies, of traitors, of impostors who find their way into our ranks, of employees and officials who act contrary to the good faith, carry out acts of sabotage, and strive by every means in their power to put obstacles in the way of normal life. In spite of all this, the country lives, and is reconstructing itself. New organizations spring up, although the flower of the working class must leave the work of public administration and go to the front. If you but knew, with what joyful spirit of sacrifice, the work of recruiting goes on here. I have been present at meetings of red officers, which, in the spirit of enthusiasm and courage shown, were truly religious in the best sense of the word. One always feels the difference between the war for the masters and this war, which is our war. The people and their leaders are firmly convinced that the workers of other countries will not allow the Russian Revolution to be drowned in blood, nor the German Revolution either, which, through untold difficulties, is slowly steering towards victory. At the present time, the fate of the peoples depends on the proletariat of the Entente. Encouraging news continues to reach us. And that's the end of the audiobook. So a uh, few quick notes there from me. Um, of course, the German Revolution did not succeed, uh, needless to say, the also the white terror that she refers to. So red is the color of socialist revolution and the socialist flag. White is the color of counter-revolution. So when the capitalists try to attack your new revolution and reprivatize and get their stuff back, uh, we've seen a lot of that in South America lately uh, that is the white army and the white terror. So that was what it was called, uh, at that time in Soviet Russia anyway. So, and as far as, you know, along those lines, what she was saying about all the lying that the capitalists are doing about the, you know, supposed atrocities of the red army. Uh, I mean, we still see this today as like, you know, the Soviet union killed 80 bajillion people, etc. Um, yeah, they can't stop lying. I mean, cause you know, this, Socialism is such a direct threat to imperialism. It threatens to starve them of all the raw materials that they need to, um, you know, stay dominating the world in the way that they do. And uh, they, they have to lie. They have to use violence. And, um, you know, we see that particularly look at Venezuela, look at Bolivia. Um, Those may not be out and out uh, Marxist revolutions. um, But, They are left-wing, popular, national liberationist movements that are anti-imperialist and are trying to, um, you know, have a non-exploitative—I mean, they don't want to be exploited by the U.S. anymore. Um, And why would they want to be? (laughs) You know, I mean, honestly. So this whole notion that the U.S. just plays fair and uh, that you know when the U.S. goes in and sets up sweatshops and free trade zones that this is like some kind of equal exchange lifting people out of poverty—it's absolutely wrong. Are those are there jobs? Yeah, but they're jobs that mainly serve—you uh, know—they produce a ton of surplus value for the United States uh, corporations. And they keep the people there pretty much in just a cycle of poverty and misery. So, I mean, you know, in that case, it's like if it were me, I'd rather just have the free time and not have the job uh, where it's not actually lifting you out of poverty. It's just kind of breaking up your society and your whole way of life. So anyway, socialism offers an alternative where you can have the development, but with dignity, without exploitation. All right, on that note, I'm going to leave it there. This has been Socialism for All. Thanks to our current patrons whose names are on the screen. If you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash socialism for all. Also, follow us, facebook.com slash socialism, the number four all. We had an old page at F-O-R, all, and it got throttled to death by Facebook. Thanks, Facebook, after we reached 5,000 likes. Yeah, so um, less of a priority, but it does exist. Also here on YouTube, leave us a comment, hit like, share, subscribe, click the notifications bell. Please also uh, share this, you know, into your Facebook groups, Discord servers, Reddit subs, wherever you are online. We'll catch you in the next video.